0: And we'll start off as we do every day with the daily Covid numbers. There were 13,798 new Covid-19 cases and 144 more fatalities recorded during the previous 24 hours the Public Health Ministry reported on Wednesday morning. There were 13,347 cases in the general population and 451 in prisons. On Tuesday, 14,133 COVID-19 patients were discharged from hospital after recovering from the coronavirus. So the numbers are pretty much stagnant around 13,000 or so. Our hope in the next couple of weeks is we'll start to dip below 10,000 and that will coincide with the reopening of the country under the sealed route programs. We've yet to actually get any information on these sealed route programs, but hopefully as well that will come out next week. I mean if they're planning to open October 1 then you would hope those uh, SOPs will be released to people so we can see exactly what's going on and of course we'll cover it when they do come out. And we'll start off with our first story of the day. Krabi imposes partial lockdown from September 15th, PP Island closures extended. Thailand's Krabi province has imposed a lockdown effective from September 15th after a cluster of COVID-19 infections was discovered. 84 new infections have been reported over the past two days, raising the province's cumulative total to 2,459, while 842 are still receiving treatment. According to the announcement by Krabi Provincial Health Office, those travelling into Krabi must be fully vaccinated or have been inoculated with one dose of AstraZeneca for at least 14 days and must test negative for COVID-19. Dining in at restaurants and crabbies is allowed at only 25% of seating capacity, with no alcohol served, no air conditioners, and they must close at 8 p.m. Restaurants in Klong Tom and No Klong districts can only offer takeaway services. Shopping centres must close at 8 p.m. with no promotional activities allowed. Convenience stores can open from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m while gaming and internet cafes as well as massage parlors, gyms, fitness centres and other sports stadiums must close. The Provincial Health Office also agreed to extend the closure of PP Island for domestic visitors for another 7 days until September 24. However, tourists under the Phuket 7 plus 7 scheme can enter the island after staying in Phuket for 7 days. Tourists who wish to enter must show their certificate proving they are fully vaccinated and have tested negative for COVID-19 using a RT-PCR test. This means domestic travellers and other groups are banned from entering the island unless they receive approval from disease control officials. So yeah, Krabby's gone into a bit of a mini lockdown along with PP Island, which has been closed already for seven days. I do find it interesting the how they discriminate between international travelers and their own citizens. So basically, if you are an overseas traveller, you're perfectly fine to go to PP Island. However, if you're a Thai citizen or an expat, you're banned. It makes absolutely no sense to discriminate between your own people. And like what's happening with Phuket now, who are trying to attract domestic travelers, it's only going to come back to bite Krabby in the ass as well because people are getting highly fed up of being discriminated against in their own country in favour of international tourists. As usual, nobody's thinking about the long-term effects of these programmes and these rules they put in place. Now, what also seems to be getting absolutely no media coverage, apart from the Phuket news, is the disappearance of a general manager of the Zavola resort on Phi Phi Island, Florin Hallerman who disappeared on September 11th and hasn't been seen since. Now they've been looking for him each and every day. There's about 50 people out searching for this man on PP Island who has been in Thailand for the last 20 years. Apparently he's a very like, well liked man. Everybody knows him. On top of that, while they were out searching for him, they found the body of a dead Thai man. the mangroves who had died three days ago. I find it very interesting that the whole thing with the PP Island keep bringing the sandboxers in and absolutely no coverage of this very very strange but very very coincidental that there's no coverage of it anywhere. Now when the Swiss lady went missing on Phuket it was world headlines but a local expat gets nothing i think that's wrong as well but we're making sure that you guys out there know about it too that mr florine halliman has been missing since september eleventh. that's four days now he was last seen on cctv with his backpack on heading out for a walk and that was the last has ever been seen of him i do hope that he is found alive and that he is well and that maybe he's just had an accident and he's stuck somewhere or something i really do because by all accounts as i said he's a very well liked and respected man so let's hope he's found and let's hope it gets a bit more media coverage than it is appearing only in the phuket news and being ignored by other media outlets i find that terrible to be honest and our next story obstacles mar tats midi's drive Thailand faces roadblocks in attracting travellers from the Middle East because of the complicated certificate of entry process and costly Covid-19 tests when compared with prices in Middle Eastern countries, says the Dubai Office of the Tourism Authority of Thailand. Feedback from tourists about the Phuket sandbox is positive, but applying for a COE and expensive RT-PCR tests remain obstacles, said Chai Tam Thai, director of the TATS Dubai office. He said a RT-PCR test in the United Arab Emirates cost 200 to 300 baht, compared with the 8,000 baht for the three tests for a 14-day stay in Thailand. The numbers of COE applications during June 1st to September 7 from the UAE comprising a mix of locals and expatriates hailing mostly from Europe stood at 6,600. Mr Chaiwat said the Phuket sandbox welcomed 5,000 tourists from the Middle East in the first month of the program, before dropping to 2,000 in August due to stricter regulations and the start of a new school semester in in the Middle East. Travel demand remains in Oman, Jordan, and Iran, but these countries are designated as high risk by Thailand because of ongoing COVID 19 outbreaks there as well as low vaccination rates, he said. Mr. Chaiwat said if Thailand maintained the same travel conditions, the number of tourists from the Middle East should reach 20,000 in the final quarter. If requirements could be relaxed, 100,000 travelers from the region, including expatriates, may visit Thailand between this year's fourth quarter and the first quarter of 2022, he said. In 2019, Thailand logged 506,657 tourists from the Middle East, a reduction of 8% year-on-year, contributing 39.3 billion baht, a decrease of 7.2%. So this Governor of Tat in the Middle East is basically stating the obvious. Everybody knows that the problem with the sandbox and all these new sealed routes that will be coming up is the certificate of entry process, along with the expensive and cumbersome RT-PCR testing. They're not needed. And that's the bottom line here. A lot of people might say, well, how do you prove that a person's vaccinated before they arrive in your country? Well, the same way every other country does, the airline has to make sure that those people have the proper documents before they get on the plane. And if they don't, and they refuse entry into the country, it's up to the airline to bring them back to where they came from. Putting the responsibility on the airline will certainly ensure that the documents are correct before getting on the plane. Of course, we could come up with something better like the IATA travel pass, which would be something universally adapted by every country, and that would work really well for something like this. But again, the Tat governor knows what the problem is, but then he's also naive and he starts predicting numbers and pulling the numbers out of his ass, which we all know is not possible during this kind of pandemic time we are faced in. I heard today that one of the top travel agents in Europe, if not the world, has postponed all flights to Thailand until at least the middle of December. Now the reason for that is there's a lack of demand due to the certificate of entry process, the expensive RT-PCR testings and the sheer amount of tests that are needed, and the fact that you still have to come and start your sandbox option in Phuket before you can go anywhere else. And that's a no-no to people who are coming on a, you know, a 7 to 10 to 14 day holiday. They're coming here for a bit of enjoyment, relax, fun, it is not fun getting swab tests every five days. Just just not on. Now we all know, everybody knows. The dog on the side of the street knows what needs to be done. Its fingers crossed the Tourism Authority of Thailand along with the government might figure it out in the near future. Now getting back to a story that uh, we covered yesterday, but uh, we have a lot more detail in relation to it today. The government are still trying to entice those rich expats. The cabinet has greenlighted an economic stimulus and investment promotion package aimed at attracting wealthy foreigners and highly skilled professionals from overseas to help revive the economy post-COVID-19. Benefits in the package include a 10-year Thai visa for not only approved special visitors, but also their spouses and children, said the government spokesman last Tuesday. The package also includes automatic work permits, the same rates of income tax as Thai citizens, tax exemption for income earned abroad, and ownership of properties and land, he said. Mr. Tanakorn said that the right to choose to pay a fixed rate of income at 17% within the package is being offered, but only to foreign experts contributing to the development of the government's flagship Eastern Economic Corridor (EEC) scheme. The government expects to attract more than a million qualified people to Thailand in the next five years, beginning next year, he said. The government has four targeted groups for this long-term visa scheme with the first group being wealthy global citizens who have traveled frequently and also have assets in several countries he said. To obtain a long-term Thai visa this group would be required to invest at least half a million US dollars in Thai government bonds in the form of foreign direct investment or in real estate he said. The minimum income requirement for this group is eighty thousand dollars per year for the past two years, while the required minimum value of assets owned is one million US dollars, and the minimum health insurance covered required is a hundred thousand US dollars, he said. The second target group are wealthy pensioners who are at least fifty years of age with sufficient pensions to cover their cost of living in Thailand. The people in this group are required to invest at least two hundred fifty thousand US dollars in Thai government bonds, in the FDI program, or in real estate, he said i adding that the minimum income required for this group is $40, U.S. dollars per person per year. The minimum health insurance package required for this group is also U.S. dollars per person. The third group are the so-called work-from-Thailand professionals who are interested in living in Thailand while working remotely for their employers in other countries, he said. The people in the third group are expected to be digital nomads and employees of large organisations who are close to retirement, he said. The fourth and last group of foreigners expected to be interested in this long-term visa programme are highly skilled professionals who may want to come to Thailand to either work as experts in the government's target industries, Mr. Tanakorn said. Highly skilled professionals who would work as university lecturers teaching subjects related to industries of importance are also within this group. They are required to have at least five years of work experience, earn at least U.S. dollars per year, and hold a health insurance policy with a coverage of U.S. dollars he said. The Board of Investment of Thailand has been assigned to set up a new centre to specifically serve this long-term visa programme, he added. So that's a lot more detail in relation to this drive by the government to find lots of rich people who want to come and live in Thailand and part with their money quite quickly. So we have the wealthy global citizens and to qualify for that you have to be a high income earner traveling frequently and living in several countries. You have to at least invest half a million US dollars in Thai government bonds or in real estate. Now, within all of this, I hope when they say real estate, you can buy a piece of land with your money and have full rights to it. Not like currently where foreigners are just not allowed to buy land. That'd be 100% in your name. So hopefully that's what they mean. But the way Thailand behave in relation to land like this, I don't think it's going to be as easy as maybe this sounds. Also, a lot of people, a lot of discussion online is about, well, this is gonna be a new digital nomad work visa. Well, I don't see it being that. Work from Thailand professionals, and these are interested in working remotely from Thailand for employers based in other countries. Now, the qualifications, right, is you have to be a high income earner, right? And your business has to be outside of Thailand. You have to show proper business certificates. You have to show income from abroad. You have to have a minimum probably, they seem to think 40,000 US dollars per year is what they consider a high income earner. And I don't know how many digital nomads this will actually appeal to. I mean, currently the digital nomads that come to Thailand seem to be kind of loan guys you know people who work for themselves and this in my opinion is not aimed remotely at them it is like i said yesterday a bit of a cash grab the government are trying to reel in people a bit like the elite visa but what i worry about these things is can you know as quickly as they make them up they can cancel them. You know, if you invest in government bonds, I'm sure they'll find a way to take some of that money back off you when you want to take that money back out again. Everything here in Thailand, with when they're going after people with money, you have to be very skeptical about. And never part with your money here unless you truly, truly can afford to, because they'll always find a way to take it from you. And people should just be careful of these kind of programs at the moment. Thailand is desperate for money and income, and that should be a worry to anybody thinking of investing. And up next, CCSA to decide on Friday if Pattaya can open on October 1. Thailand's Coronavirus Task Force on Friday will decide if Pattaya can move on and welcome fully vaccinated foreign tourists on October 1. The CCSA is expected to hear, debate and vote on the Pattaya Move On reopening plan September 17th. Tourism and Sports Minister Pitipat Recepakan met for more than an hour with the Pattaya mayor the Governor and district officials from Satip and Banglamung on Sunday to fine-tune the proposal that is so crucial to a city that is almost entirely dependent on tourism. Approval from both the CCSA and the Cabinet are needed before Patia can begin to move on. The move-on plans fall far short of what Patia lovers overseas and expats currently abroad were expecting and hoping for. Unlike the Phuket sandbox, Patia visitors, despite being fully vaccinated, will be confined to their pricey SHA certified hotels for three days and only allowed to venture out to the immediate area with a government-supplied tour guide for the first seven days. The sealed route travel will continue for a second week, with tourists only allowed to visit predetermined, family-friendly sites such as Big Buddha Hill and Nong Nutch Tropical Garden again with a government chaperone and only when Thai tourists aren't there. Ironically, Sandbox tourists for the past two months have shown a coronavirus test positivity rate of 0.3% versus the Patia Public which has tested at 3.7% for the past six weeks. One new wrinkle in the move-on plan emerged Sunday with the thought that Pattaya could be added to the Phuket 7 plus 7 extension which currently allows sandbox tourists to visit 7 other islands in Suratani, Panya and Krabi provinces. It's possible, if their plans are approved, Bangkok, Chiang Mai, Phetchaburi, Khan and Pechaburi could become 7 plus 7 destinations, which can be assessed after the first week of sandbox quarantine. Acknowledging the mass criticism already leveled at the move-on proposal, Pat said the plan is a step towards and not a full reopening of Pattaya. He reiterated the justification that, because Chamburi is not an island, extra precautions must be taken to prevent tourists from leaving the area or interacting with the local population. Why either is necessary given that 0.3% of vaccinated tourists have been tested positive and that 70% of Patia residents will be vaccinated as well was left unexplained. It's also probable that Patia will reopen with bars closed nightlife halted and no alcohol being served in restaurants. That has been the situation in the Phuket sandbox and with Chamburi still classified as a dark red coronavirus maximum and strict control zone, likely will be the case come October 1. However, Chonburi on Monday reported a huge drop in daily cases, only 650, with one death, its lowest daily tally in two months. Of those 650 cases however, 103 were located in Banglamung district, which include Pattaya. Again showing how over-the-top conservative Thai officials are being, Hypat said, True, quarantine-free tourism likely won't return until January or possibly as late as Songkran 2022. Next up, Phuket news. Phuket reported 229 new COVID-19 infections in the past 24 hours. In the past seven days, Phuket has reported 1,621 cases. We had 284 international arrivals through the sandbox scheme, all tested negative for COVID on arrival. They arrived on 5 flights, 1 Cathay Pacific, 1 Emirates, 2 Singapore Airlines and a private jet. 496 travellers tested negative for Covid during their 2nd and 3rd test as well. Since the 1st of July, 30,005 travellers have availed of the Sandbox program. In other Phuket news. Rawai Sea Gypsy Village Lockdown Order Finally Issued The Phuket Governor has issued an order mandating that the Sea Gypsy Village in Rawai be placed under lockdown effective today, September 15th until September 28th. Ukrainian Woman Killed As Ice Delivery Pickup Wipes Out a Ukrainian woman was killed and three other people were injured after a ice delivery truck spun out of control on Tepkacetry Road this morning September 15th. The truck, a converted pickup truck with a coal box fitted on the back, crossed the central reservation and ploughed head on into oncoming traffic on the other side of the road. And rest in peace to the Ukrainian lady who did die. And finally, Phuket Vegetarian Festival will go ahead. The annual Phuket Vegetarian Festival will go ahead on October 6th to fourteen, but must be observed under strict COVID-19 protection measures Phuket officials have announced. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below, because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kira Mack, you've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.